Late Night Council is a production of Council Communications. This is Late Night Council. This is bigger. This is very big. There's definitely something here. Apparently, it's a big deal. It's all over the news. It's a real thing. A radio signal from another world. That's my grandpa. Well, your story is very compelling. Your chance to make history. That's pretty cool, I guess. Give it to me straight. John, you're in charge. How's it going? Have you had a good week? I'm only on once a week now. Don't mind that. I'm enjoying it. I hope you're enjoying it. Do you want to be a part of this tonight, or do you just want to sit back and listen to me? Now, I am quite content to, you know, let you have it and, uh, you know, be yakking all night with no calls. Quite capable of doing that. But I would love to have you call in, and I would love for you to tell me what you think about whatever tonight. It is Ask the Pastor format, as it has been for every show of 2017, okay? And whatever you bring to the program, I am going to do my best to give you the biblical perspective on it, the faith perspective on it. My name is John Council. That's my real last name. Did not change it for media purposes, okay? And I've been doing talk radio for, oh, a good 34, 35 years. I've been a full-time pastor for 35 years. And uh, I like doing this stuff. And uh, I don't mind, you know, I really believe that lives transformed by the power of Jesus Christ is the only answer for world peace, for a good economy, for harmony amongst nations, amongst ethnic groups. I hate that term racism. I hate that term, you know, people are from different races. There's one race, it's the human race. We have different colors. We have different ethnic backgrounds. We have different belief systems, but we're one race, okay? And I think that lives that are really transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about all that stuff that, and, you know, I've had people call in who are real enemies of religion in the past, and I've had them say, oh, well, religion's caused more wars and caused more trouble than, you know, like uh, anything else on the planet. You know what? And there's a lot of truth to that. There is. Even in the Christian religion. And most of those, most of those difficulties have been caused by people who took the Bible and, and used it to manipulate people. And, and the people that they manipulated, you know, often throughout history, they weren't educated. They didn't know what the Bible really says. So there was no system of keeping, you know, uh, unscrupulous leaders in check and accountable. That doesn't take away from the fact that, that, that Jesus Christ still, still brings the most wonderful, liberating, powerful, freedom-inspiring message to ever hit the planet. And I remind people, and it seems how we lose track of this, especially people within the religious faith. The people that Jesus ticked off the most in his day when he walked the earth, I mean, it's still his day because when you rise from the dead and you don't die again, you're still going. He's still out there. But when he had physical form, the bunch that he ticked off the most were the religious leaders of his day. 
And you want to know something? He's still ticking off religious leaders. Everybody's advancing their own theology. Everybody's, you know, pushing their own opinion. They got Jesus. They got God built in their own image, and they're going to have their way. Well, if you've never listened to this program, I will be the first to admit that I'm not perfect. My wife will be the second. And, you know, you could probably have hundreds, maybe even thousands of people that would call in tonight and say, yep, that's one thing we know for sure. Council's not perfect. But I believe I follow somebody who does. And I don't like, I don't like the concept of wielding the Bible to advance your pet peeves and your pet opinions and your doctrine and your theology. I believe in coming under its authority. Well, how do you do that? Well, that's what we talk about a lot. We don't only talk about Bible stuff here. We talk about politics. We talk about entertainment. We talk about family issues. We talk about sports. We talk about anything. Why? Because if you know what's in the Bible, you know its subject matter is so wide-ranging, it has something to say usually about just about every circumstance, opinion, or circumstance we'd, or, or situation we'd find ourselves in. So for about 35 years now, I've been saying, open line, open topic, it's Ask the Pastor Night. And we're never at a shortage of, you know, what to talk about. And that's just from my side. When you call in, oh my goodness, there's even more to talk about. Because, I mean, I can't think up of all the things, you know, that, that should be talked about. I have to leave that to you, don't I? So let's have at her. Okay, here's the phone number. In the capital region, that's where we're broadcasting from. As I tweeted out earlier tonight, the political correct capital of the world, or the political correctness capital of the world, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Okay, if you're in the capital region, that would be Gatineau. That would be um, Metro Ottawa, which now is the largest geographical city in the in in Canada. Did you know that? It used to be Timmins. Yeah. Now we're not talking population; we're talking size of actual city. Since we amalgamated, and uh, you know all these other uh, uh, communities. In fact, one that I live in, we joined Ottawa, kicking and screaming, and we were sold a bill of goods that it was supposed to be a wonderful thing, and it's yet to be proven to us. And you know, it's going to save all kinds of money. Duplication of services. Yeah, garbage. Anyway, uh, that's a political thing, and I don't like really getting into politics. But, uh, you know, there's a biblical perspective on that. We can go down that road if you choose to. So in the metro area here, metro capital region, one point, well, what it's it up to now? It's about 1.4, 1.5 million people, 343 You folks living in the capital region, you may not be familiar with that 343 area code. We're all familiar with 613, aren't we? Because we've had 613 since, you know, they installed telephones, you know, in the parliament buildings. But 343 is a new area code here in the capital region. You'll be hearing it more and more. And uh, we got one of the new 343 numbers. So it's 343-700-4390 if you want to call it. That's open line, open topic, whatever you want to talk about. That's how Ask the Pastor works. 343-700-4390 in the capital region. Now, when you call in, you're not going to hear an operator. We've got an automated system that's really cool here. It's high tech. It's very simple. Listen, if you know how to leave a message on a phone... You know, and don't you feel stupid when you leave a message on the phone? As if, as if you don't know what to do by now. At the tone, leave a message. If you would like to, you know, for further options, push this, push that. Yeah, yeah, get to the tone so I can leave the message. You know, we all know what to do. So if you, can, if you know how to leave a message on, a, on an answering machine on a phone, you'll have no problem getting on the air with me with our automated uh, uh, phone screening system here. Okay, so 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. 4390. You know, I shouldn't broadcast 
the fact too much that we have an automated phone screening system. Because, you know, those guys over at Bell Media and Rogers that are looking to, you know, save money and, and, and get rid of unnecessary, what they deem unnecessary jobs, you know, if they get wind that there's a good automated phone system, you know, I could have another, you know, dozen, half dozen friends in those two radio stations here in the capital region that, you know, get laid off tomorrow. But anyway, that's the reality of it. Okay, high tech, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's people listening that, you know, you your job has been threatened by a high tech uh, uh, implement or, or, or a robot or whatever. 343-743-90, that is the capital region number. I remember seeing a poster once, and it said, uh, you know, if uh, and, you know if you go in the states, they've got these they, they've got these like inspirational stores where you get these inspirational posters and inspirational mugs. They got all these nice, cute sayings supposed to motivate you, make a better husband, better wife, better student, better you know, more productive on the job. And there's this poster says, you know, if posters is all it takes to motivate you to do a better job, you're going to be replaced by robots in the next five years. Okay, so. It, Anyway, we've got a robot that takes care of your call when you call in. 343-700-4390. That's the Capital Region line. one 844 That is the toll-free number. It's good for right across North America. We pay big bucks for this, okay? one 844 is on. Have you got that? We even got the numbers we chose because I wanted you to get that in your head. Late Night Council is on. LNC is on. one 844 is on. one 844 Five six two four seven six six. I know I'm not a guy that remembers letters when I phone, and it's kind of stupid because you're like, well, let a, let a P is on the five there. When I, you know, no, so I, I usually go five six two four seven six six. That is the long distance number one eight four four five six two four seven six six. That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. You can email me, and the rules apply, and they've been this way for oh at least fifteen years now. It's got to be under six lines. If it's not under six lines on my computer, I don't even look at it. Okay? Don't send me your, you know, version of War and Peace. Don't send me your reconfigured constitution of the United States or Canada and yours is better. No. It's got to be under six lines. And you know what? The shorter the better. If you can be, uh, you know, like uh, concise and to the point in two lines, oh, man, it's going to get on. Okay? And just because you get it under six lines, that doesn't mean it's getting on the air. Okay? It's got to be airworthy. So jc at latenightcouncil.com is the email address. jc, that's my initials. Well, that should be easy to remember. jc at latenightcouncil.com, that's the email address. You can tweet at me. No limitations on that because Twitter automatically limits you to 140 characters. That doesn't mean you take all the characters that are in Marvel Comics and put them in the Twitter. No, characters, that's letters, numbers, okay? You tweet at me at JWCouncil. You go on Twitter.com, you type in JWCouncil. Oh, there I am with the sunglasses and the goofy long hair, okay? JWCouncil. Council spelled C-O-U-N-S-E-L-L. Two L's at the end, okay? J, I'm J, saying this for all you rookies that might be tuning in for the first time, okay? JW Council is the Twitter exchange, and uh, and you know what? If I read your tweet on the air, I, I put out your Twitter handle. I try to get you more followers. I do my best, okay? So that's how it works on this end, okay? Now, Facebook, I hardly ever go to the Late Night Council Facebook page. Now, I do when I'm off air. There's a lot of stuff happening on the Facebook page. In fact, if you've been going to the Late Night Council Facebook page lately, you know that uh, a guy by the name of Terry Orchard, who was uh, on the program 
last week, okay, uh, is, is, is getting more run on my Facebook page than, than anybody because he's been putting out incredible stuff about M103, and motion M103 has passed. Uh, it's, they haven't made it into law yet, but uh, um, the people that really know what's going on with M103, including, including moderate Muslims that, escape, that have escaped out of you know, Islamic-led countries because they wanted to get away from the violence, even they are saying this is, this is the first step to Sharia law which I said as soon as I read it. Terry Orchard is saying it. If you want a, uh, more discussion on that tonight, uh, feel free. We can go down that road. Uh, but whatever's on your mind, okay, uh, uh, you tweet at me, JW Council, 343-700-4390 in the Capital Region, one 4766 is uh, the long-distance line. Now, I got a great email from Eric here, okay? It came in, ooh, about an hour ago. Of course, I guess he knew I was going to be on the air tonight. Eric, I hope you're listening. Here comes your question. And, you know, th- these are all podcasts, by the way. I mean, it's imperative that if you want to call in, you got to, you know, like, uh, uh, you got to listen live. But if you if you uh, miss a show, you go to latenightcouncil.com, and, and the podcasts are available there. They get put up all the time, and you can really show I'm going to get to Eric's email in a second, but I'm going to see how the system's working tonight because I think we got a caller online here, and let's uh, bring them on. And I don't have the name, so they got to tell me when they come on the air. Who's on the air with me? It's uh, Tom Harris from International. Hi, Tom. How you doing, buddy? Oh, great. Good to have you on. Now, Tom, speak right into the right into your phone and be good and loud for me because uh, uh, you know I'm my own tech guy now, and uh, sometimes I can't hear the callers as well as I'd like to. So you make sure you you, you you let your voice be heard here. Now, remember, Tom, you're the head of you know climatescienceinternational.org, one of, uh, a person that I respect as much as anybody in the world, and you know I love your work probably more than anybody else. But, Tom, it is Ask the Pastor Night tonight. What are you doing calling my show, buddy? Not that you're not welcome. You're always welcome. What's on your mind? Well, um, okay, different topic. (laughs) He changed course mid-call, folks. One of the nicest guys that you'd ever see, but, you know, tough as nails as well. Who? Who are we talking about? uh, Yeah, I mean, he's he's a great example, you know, for for people in Christianity and any any. Who? Who are we talking about, Tom? Strong talking about Gordy Howe. Gordy Howe. The you know what? Guess where I'm going to be tomorrow. Where? I am going to be in Windsor, Ontario where they are going to be building the Gordy Howe Bridge. I mean, I grew up. I grew up in the shadow of the Ambassador Bridge. Windsor is my hometown, and I love going back there. And I'm going to be going down there uh, uh, tomorrow. I'm leaving. For, I've got a bunch of appointments through Southern Ontario, and I'm going to be hitting uh, uh, Windsor, Ontario tomorrow, staying overnight there. And uh, big Gordy Howe fan. So, what kind of biblical perspective can I put on Gordy Howe, Tom? Where are you taking this? Uh, well, <laughs> I didn't know it was uh, the pastor. I heard you were on, so I just called right away. Yeah, but Tom, you're a good enough friend of this program. You can get away with almost anything. And you know, it's not like I got a, a heavy duty corporation breathing down my neck telling me what I say and what I can't say, you know, on, on, on online radio here. So, you know, I got you on here, so let's yak anyway. My show, my rules, so and and because you're my friend, I let you you're one of the few people that uh, you know, that call this show that I can bend the rules for. What's on your mind? <laughs> well, two things. First of all, I, I got the book, Mr. Hockey, from the Ottawa Library. And it's Gordy Howe's autobiography. It was published only two and a half years ago, and it's fabulous. I mean, it really is. It, it's actually, Why? It's got a foreword by, Bob, by Bobby Orr, and, uh, you know, the book itself is written by Gordy Howe just before he died. 
And uh, I tell you, it's it's fabulous. And as I say, if you want a great example of a person who's tough as nails but a really honest, decent person, uh, he's it. He really got taken advantage of in his career, though, too. I mean, I remember instead of getting a signing bonus, instead of getting a signing bonus in his first couple of years with Detroit, they gave him a team jacket instead. And there were at least four or five other players when he was at the peak of his career before, you know, the late 60s. There were at least four or five other players on his team that were always getting paid more than him because, you know, he just, he never pushed the envelope for that, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, it's incredible, you know, when you read about his statistics. I mean, nobody has come close. And, and Wayne Gretzky, Bobby Orr, both of them, you know, they all say the same thing. How was the best? The very best there was. Oh, they're being nice. I disagree with Mr. Howe there. I think Gretzky was way better than him. Well, offensively, yeah, but Howe was a pretty tough guy on the boards and everything else, and Howe was his own enforcer, you know? Well, everybody was. Everybody was back in those days. Tom, everybody was back in those days. I mean, they did have enforcers, yeah. but, you know, like there was, you know, uh, hockey, I mean, uh, uh, you got to be out of your mind or tough as nails to go out on the ice like that without a helmet, and the goalie's going on without masks. I mean, oh, my goodness. I'm really struggling here. How can I how can I put a biblical spin on this, man? He's going he's talking about one of my favorite topics in the whole world. I'm trying to give a I'm trying to put a biblical spin on this. I'm doing my best here, folks. Those of you that are waiting me to get theological on Tom Harris here. I must really like this guy if I could let him come in here and hijack my show, eh, folks? Boy, he must be a really good guy for me to let him do this. <laughs> well, I think maybe how is is just a good example of being a decent human being and doing, you know, what Christ Christ was strong, very strong, and and. Oh, now don't try to Christianize Bobby. Don't try to Christianize Gordy Howe because he was a good hockey player, Tom. I've had people try to do that before. No, no, no. And in fact, the intro of the book, the whole point that Bobby Orr makes, and Rain Rain Gretzky as well, is that it wasn't just that Howe was a great hockey player; he was a great person. Oh yeah, I realize that. Honest person, and and I think he sets an example. Very humble, you know. He sets an example of of what you know all fundamentally ethical people should be. But you want to know something? I don't know if he's... You want to know something? If I, if I read the Bible correctly, you know, and if somebody wants to show me uh, uh, another side of it, being an ethically good person is no criteria for going to heaven. It isn't. The Bible clearly teaches that that, 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 that. that people that... If you go by what true biblical Christianity is, okay... And, and I, we got into this discussion a little bit last week when Chuck Berry died at the age of 90. I asked the question last week, you know, where do you think Chuck Berry is? And I compared it to when Maurice Richard died. Hey, I knew I could put a sp- biblical spin on this. When Maurice Richard died, you know, you know how much of a hero he is here in the capital region, especially on the Quebec side, okay? I asked the question, where do you think Maurice Richard is, you know, after he died? And everybody said because he was a good man, well, he must be in heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches, the Bible teaches that, that, that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. It says that the only way that you can, I mean, that's why they call it amazing grace. Because we, we go to, it's not by works. It's, it's, it, I'm quoting Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 here, where it says it's a, it, it's a free gift that people are allowed to reject. And it's got nothing to do with, in fact, Isaiah 64 and 6 says that our righteous acts are like filthy rags to him. I don't know what house. Position, whether he was Christian or, or what he was. Well, I don't know either, but the point I'm making is, and it's wonderful that somebody's nice and he's a good neighbor and, you know, a hard worker and all that other stuff, but you could have all that stuff and, and you know, not know God and not, not, go, not know Christ from a hole in the wall. Now, I don't make that call. 
Christ does. But I am a student of the Bible, and the Bible clearly teaches that it's not about being a good boy. In fact, there's a lot of bad people that go to heaven, but they realize, you know, that the, and, and Jesus tells the great story of, you know, this wonderful Pharisee that tithes and, and you know, is, is good to his neighbor and, and prays and, and, and uh, you know, and, and then Jesus at the same time looks at this uh, publican who's basically, you know, like a compromising gangster in that culture who beats his breast and he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He asks the disciples, whose prayer got heard? The one that he who admits he's a sinner. That's why I worry about Donald Trump. When they asked him, you know, are, you know, have you have you ever asked for forgiveness of sin? He said, I can't think of anything I need to ask forgiveness for. Well, that's probably the worst thing you can say if you want to be in a right relationship with God. I don't care how rich or how you know, you know, smart or you know, or, or, or how wonderful you are. If there's no admission of sin, you know, God's got no hope for you. That's right. Well, I mean, somebody doesn't admit to their and their mistakes is obviously not smart. Well, I I wouldn't say they're not smart because I I think of a guy like uh, the physicist Stephen Hawking who goes around making a living trying to convince people that there's no God. This guy's got a a higher IQ than four John Councils. But, I mean, you could have as many degrees as a thermometer. I mean, and I was going to get to this tonight. There's all sorts of scriptures that said that fear, the fear of God, in other words, the acknowledgement and, and the respect and the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You can have all kinds of knowledge and no wisdom. What's knowledge? I know everything, but I don't know what to do with that knowledge. You know? Yeah, yeah. I heard a, and you, you know, you, you deal in the scientific realm all the time, so you'll appreciate this. There's a, there's a comedian on YouTube, and, uh, you know, he says, you know what? They got atheist churches now. Can you imagine that? Atheist churches. Now, I wonder if they have a Sunday school for the atheists. I wonder if they have, I, I wonder if they have uh, 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 Sunday schools for atheist uh, kids. And if they did, what kind of choruses would they sing? And he comes up with this, Jeb. You're going to love this. Reason why, reason why we exist, but we have no reason why. (laughs) Okay. Here's another one. No one loves the little children. All the children of the world. No one hears them when they cry. No one sings them lullabies. No one loves the little children of the world. (laughs) Look it up. It's a lot of fun, Tom. Yeah, I don't keep you, but... Um, Tuesday, Trump is going to kill the clean power plant. That's yes. Evening. Yes. That's going to be announced. Okay, Tom, and, this is sure to start a war and have a lot of people ticked off that are listening to me, and everybody's going to hang up when I ask you this question, but you're, you're a smart enough guy that I can get a good answer from you. We haven't talked on air, oh, in a good six months, so i got to ask you this. Give me your take on Donald Trump, buddy. I think Trump is like bad medicine. It's something you have to have. <laughs> Doesn't taste good, okay? But you need it to get better. I, I think, honestly, that, um, you know, castor oil, I mean, that's what he is. He's something the U.S. needs, that, you know, very much. It, he doesn't taste very good to a lot of people, but he's going to do a good thing. He's ticking off everybody. Isn't well, no, he's only, you know, in my mind, he's ticking off people that I like to see ticked off. You know, I, I know the people that are attacking him, and they're some of the most pompous, pretentious, hypocritical dweebs that I know of in society. And, and I've said this a number of times since I come back on air, because when I came back on air, back on air here as a president, I am not a Donald Trump fan. But since he got elected, and I see who's taking pot shots at him, and this guy's far from perfect. Oh, my goodness. But, man, I would take, I would take one Donald Trump over 20 Hillarys, you know? Well, yeah, Hillary would have been a continuation of the disease. Uh, Trump is helping kill the disease. Yeah. He's not tasteful, but he's, he's doing it. Yeah. 
Great having you on, Tom. You're going to hijack my show anyway. I only do the Ask the Pastor format now, and it's only on Sunday nights from 9 to 11. ClimateScienceInternational.org, folks. If you want some unbiased, scientific, if you want to get a head start and peel away all the political crap and go to the source of, of, of what's really going on with the climate and, you know, divorce yourself from the hysteria and the hype that's being promoted and the nonsense, that's a good starting point. point. ClimateScienceInternational.org. Did I get it right, Tom? Perfect. Thanks, man. You're my hero, buddy. Well, you're one of my heroes. Not my only hero, but you're one of my heroes. Yeah. Thanks for calling in. Good having you on. There goes Tom Harris, frequent guest of the show. Now, uh, before when I was, uh, um, you, you know, when, when I used to do, like, before we went with only the Ask the Pastor format, you know, Tom would be a regular co-host with me, oh, once every three or four months, and, and I love his stuff. He's one of those few voices on the whole climate science debate that's actually putting out factual stuff instead of, you know, crazy uh, hype that is not backed by any, you know, trusted scientific uh, data at all. And, uh, you know, he brought on, he, you know, he had uh, Ian Clark, Tim Patterson, Tim Ball, a number of climate scientists and, and, and uh uh, meteorologists, these are professors with PhDs that teach this stuff in universities, and they would come on the air. One of the delights of, of doing uh, uh, the old show was, you know, to, to keep people informed of the truth of what's really going on instead of the political hype that we get from so many, in my opinion, charlatans. And uh, uh, even though it's Ask the Pastor, I don't mind uh, Tom coming on because uh, I think he does a, I think he does a wonderful, wonderful work. And, and if, you haven't clicked out, if you haven't checked out climatescienceinternational.org already, you're long overdue. Get with the program here. Come on now. You know, get to it, Pruitt, as we used to say. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. I still haven't got to Eric's email here. I was going to start the show with Eric's email. But then Tom Harris called. Well, when Tom Harris calls, i got to put him on, don't I? 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. 1-844-562-4766 is the long-distance line. That's 1-844-562-4766. You can email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com. Keep it under six lines. jc at latenightcouncil.com. And you can tweet at me at jwcouncil. I don't know if I'm going to make it till 11 o'clock tonight. I don't, you know? And that's the that's the beauty of online radio. Like, I could quit right now, and you could, like, hey, we wanted to air the rest of the show. Well, you know, you can go to the podcast. I, I do have a lot of stuff, but it, it, it's going to... One of these nights, I'm thinking one of these nights on a Sunday night, I may not make it to 11. And I also told you, I've been telling you as well, that if the lines get jammed up, and if we get a lot of people coming on and talking, we don't have to stop at 11 either. Now, we will always start at 9 o'clock Eastern, okay? And, uh, you know, that's, that's, you, can, you can bank on that. We will always start at 9 o'clock Eastern. But if we get jammed up, there's nothing to stop me from going past 11 o'clock. So keep that in mind. And if it gets real dull and dry, and, you know, if I got people emailing me and saying, Counselor, you're terrible tonight, man. Just get off the air. Yeah, I, I might listen to you, you know? My wife tells me I'm doing a much better job listening. And, you know, she knows me better than you do. So uh, uh, keep that in the back of your mind. Now, I don't know if I've got a lot of music tonight. In fact, I don't think I do because uh, uh, there is a bit of a glitch up with uh, uh, how we deliver the music here. And uh, I hope that, uh, um, I hope that uh, 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 you know, we uh, 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 will have some tunes for you tonight. But I can't, I can't uh, uh, guarantee it. 
Okay, uh, we'll see how the show develops, and if I can get it into the system here, uh, we may uh, be able to play some cool tunes for you. But I do have my I do have my info stuff that I got to put out there. If you'll notice, we're in our fourth or fifth show now, and we still haven't got any ads yet. Okay, now I'm not worried about that. Because I, I, I am sincerely, I'm not pulling your leg now. I'm having such a good time doing this show one night a week and doing just the Ask the Pastor format. I'm telling you, I could do it till the end of the year without ads. Okay? Uh, you, you know, like, uh, there's a fantastic scripture, and if you don't know this one, boy, you ought to live by this, because I'll tell you, it's, 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 it's loaded. Matthew 6.33, Jesus is talking. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, if you seek first my kingdom then all these other things will be added unto you. And, and, and God supplies our need here. God has put us on the air. Uh, he has provided a, a, a studio for us that is our permanent home now. And uh, we could probably be broadcasting here from now till Jesus comes. And, and I don't feel obligated to go after, you know, advertisers and stuff like this. But if you like what we're doing, and uh, I will not ask for money on air. I will never do that. Okay, I made a vow to God 35 years ago when I started on, on, on radio, and I've never been, I've never had a regular program on, on religious radio, ever. Because every religious radio sh- show I've ever heard, they're always begging for money. Always, okay? And I've never done a show on religious radio, and one of the reasons is because I, I made a promise to God that I would never ask for money to keep it on the air, okay? And I won't do that here. I, you know, we don't take donations, but if you think you'd like to you know, advertise and uh, uh, promote your product, and, and if you think that we can help you to, to uh, uh, get the word out on whatever you're doing, you know, that's different, okay, because, you know, that's helping you, and uh, we can uh, all, uh, uh, you know, benefit from that. But uh, we haven't got any ads yet, but that's okay, you know. And uh, so I, I, the reason I'm saying that is because we're coming up to that info time now where, I, I you know, i got to take a bit of a breather, get a drink of water, and, uh, you know, we'll be back. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, not, uh, not going anywhere, okay. And we'll be back. It's open line, open topic. I still got to get to Eric's email. It's really good, too. And your calls, 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390 in the capital region. 1-844-562-4766 is the long distance line. This is Late Night Council. We'll be right back after this. Stay with us. Reloading and taking a much-needed break with this here pre-recorded message. You can get a line right now while I'm doing that. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. That's uh, the Capital Region line. That's Ottawa, Gatineau, and close by. If you live far away, the toll-free line all across North America. 
1-844-LNC-IS-ON. That's 1-844-562-4766. 1-844-562-4766. Our call service is automated. So you won't be talking to a live person until you're on air. Now, don't sweat that. Just follow the on-air prompts, and uh, you'll be fine. Trust me, you've handled this kind of technology before. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to me right now. You can connect with us live at tuneinradio.com or Google Play, or just click the Listen Live button at latenightcouncil.com. But, you know, chances are you've already done that. Just kind of a reminder. Council does not exist without advertisers. So if you want to buy time, email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com. And the rates are so cheap because, you know, we're just relaunching and getting things going again. You are going to absolutely love the rates. And, of course, your feedback is always welcome. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. And thanks for tuning in. We're back live in just a few seconds. So hang in there. I gotta, I gotta play that whole tune some night. I really do. That's uh, MC Hammer. Um, his dad, his dad, I believe, was a Pentecostal pastor in uh, Oakland, California. And uh, um, when he, he, when he, when he wasn't making that much money anymore after too legit to quit and everything, you know, peaked, and he kind of went back to preaching, went back to his roots. And uh, for those of you old timers that have been around like church life for like the more than 40 years, you'll recognize that tune. That's the old uh, classic hymn that I remember singing when I was like seven, eight years old. Uh, Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. That's the best version of that song I've ever heard. And this week, I don't know why, but I like to go on YouTube to, you know, because there's great, I mean, YouTube's unbelievable. 
the line that is used now, like when I was growing up, you had, you know, four TV stations and 60 million people like watching them. Now you have 60 million TV stations and about five people watch them. But this week I, uh, uh, I saw, uh, uh, MC Hammer doing that song, pass me not O gentle savior in a church with a full choir and a full band. And it looked like there's maybe two or 3,000 people in the church. Oh, man, was the place rocking. The, the, the only thing I can compare it to, do you remember the, the, the Blues Brothers movie? Do you remember the Blues Brothers movie where James Brown plays the role of a pastor and uh, John Belushi's character, Jake Blues, goes into the, I think it was called the Triple Rock Church, and he goes in and he gets this revelation that, you know, in order to save the orphanage, you know, God tells him to put the band back together well if you see if you remember that scene with james brown in the choir and people jumping all over the place and dancing it's very very much like that type it in go to youtube type in mc hammer do not pass me by live i don't know about you i love that kind of stuff my music when i listen to i'd much rather listen to a live recording than something that's studio perfect i love to hear the you know people singing in the background and clapping and stomping their feet and cheering and everything that's just me. My daughter, she's very different. My daughter likes, oh, no, got to have the studio stuff, you know, because it's never quite perfect live. Well, that, that's the point of being live. But I digress, which is what I often do in this program, don't I? Okay, I don't digress when you call in. Oh, listen, when I call, when you call in, you have my absolutely undevoted attention, and uh, undivided attention and, and devoted attention, too, and I'm listening all the time. And, and uh, you know, if you want to call in, it's Ask the Pastor. Uh, 343-700-4390 is the Capital Region line. That's 343-700-4390. is the long-distance line. That line is good for all over North America. If you're calling from all those weird and crazy exotic places that sometimes, you know, we we even call out some of those names. Not tonight, though. Maybe, maybe, maybe we should. I don't know. Keokuk, Iowa. Peoria, Illinois. Vulcan, Alberta, Fairbanks, Alaska, Cucama, Rancho Cucamonga, Rancho Cucamonga, California. One eight four four five six two four seven six six is the long distance line. That's one eight four four LNC is on. One eight four four five six two four seven six six. Email me at jc at late night dot com. JC at LateNightCouncil.com, and you can tweet at me at JWCouncil. I've been trying to get to Eric's email ever since we went on the air tonight, and I've been, you know, uh, um, talking with people that are phoning in. And, you know, and calls do take precedence, folks, okay? I mean, they did when I was on, you know, uh, you know standard uh, corporate-driven, you know, uh, uh, bland radio. Uh, but now that we're on the wild and woolly and crazy world of the Internet, it, it's still, uh, they still take precedence, okay? So emails, great. Love getting the emails, love getting the tweets. But it is primarily a phone-in show, okay? So when the calls come in, they take precedence over uh, emails or anything else. But God bless you, Eric, for sending this in. I love this question. Here it comes. Today, today most people have no fear of God. Now, that's an interesting line, isn't it? You've probably heard that. If you've been exposed to any type of Bible, well, the problem is people don't have the fear of God anymore. That doesn't sound like a very nice thing, does it? Why would I want to serve a God that I'm afraid of? But I'm going to give you the rest of his email here. Today, most people have no fear of God. I know Jesus is all about love, but there is a heaven and there is a hell. We used to be a God-fearing country, but not anymore. Perhaps preachers are doing a disservice by not doing more and warning the unsaved about the consequences of sin, which is hell. First comes the fear of God and then the love for God. 
This country is going to hell in a handbasket, and people do not even realize it. What's your thoughts on this, Pastor John? Well, you made a statement there, Eric. First comes the fear of God and then the love for God. I would disagree there. Because First Corinthians, First Corinthians says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. Okay, now it also says, and I've got to be fair. It says godly sorrow leads to repentance as well. But you know, the word says that that Jesus, you know, God the Father, so loved the world. Okay, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Okay, I know the truth. But love conquers truth, okay? God's mercy is greater than his justice. That's what the cross has done. And I'm looking at that verse in Romans right now. It's Romans 2 and verse 4. Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? And I know there's there's a scripture in Jude that says that you know that, that that you know the fear of God can be quite motivated motivational in in leading people to the reality of God. Look, I'm of the belief that whatever gets people to open up their hearts to God, be it fear, be it love, but you know the, the there's faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. John, First uh, John four says that that God is love. You know, I never saw anywhere in the New Testament where anybody gets in trouble for being too loving. But I do see a lot of places, especially in the gospel, where the Pharisees and people get in trouble for being too judgmental. And I'm not one of these guys that, you know, that is afraid to take an opinion. And, you know, we've dealt in depth with the whole concept of, you know, people are so afraid to take a stand for anything that they usually say, well, yeah, I don't want to judge. I don't want to judge. That's garbage. We're told, Jesus, in fact, Jesus told us to judge. He said, make right judgments. He said, don't just judge by appearance. I mean, every, every hour of the day you're making judgments. You have to make decisions. You can't live without making decisions and making judgment calls. So he wants us to make proper judgments. When it says do not judge, the Greek word there is you can't condemn anybody. You can't write anybody off because nobody ever has all the facts. The only person that has all the facts is God himself. And to write somebody off and pronounce judgment, final judgment, that's not our place to do it. But as far as making decisions and as far as exercising discernment, Boy, you better be doing that, or you're going to have one heck of a mess in your life. And Eric, I don't mean to be giving you a hard time, because you're touching on a topic that's very, very dear to me, and that is the fear of God. And I think you're on to something there. There's a number of scriptures. Psalm 111, verse 10. Proverbs 1, 7. Proverbs 9, 10. Proverbs 15, 33. If you don't have time to write this stuff down, you can download the podcast and hear me again. All those scriptures say the same thing. And, it's, and, and the reason I gave you all the references is because it's not just an isolated principle in the Bible. It says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, you're nowhere until you come to the acknowledgement that there is a God. And he's in control and you're not. See, modern culture and modern man can't stand the thought that, you know, oh, we don't have all the answers. Because that's a blow to their ego, you know? They like to think, well, I, and I've used this illustration many times. John F. Kennedy voices, you know, voiced the, you know, the, the religion of humanism eloquently about a week or two before he was blown away. He said, man has created all his problems. Man can solve all his problems. Sorry, Mr. President. Uh-uh. 
And Eric, you mentioned about you know uh, uh, pastors being a disservice. I, I think you're onto something there too. I think too many Christian leaders are too afraid to offend, and they compromise, you know, to protect their spiritual heinies, I guess. And I try to remind people, Jesus wasn't crucified for saying nice things. He wasn't crucified for being politically correct. He was crucified because he ticked off evil people. And I would suggest that people that are serious about following Christ, okay, the number, one, the number one thing first is love. You can't make a statement. You can't make a judgment call. You can't tell people about truth. And boy, you're pretty stupid telling people about their sin and about hell unless you've won them over with your love first. Until you've proven to people that you've got a real good grip on loving your enemies. Until you've proven to people that you know how to forgive. If you, until you've proven to people that you're not going to fly off the handle when things don't go right your way. Nobody's going to listen about, you know, your opinions on, on what the Bible says about hell, even if they're true. Anybody espousing the Bible or following Christ has got to earn the right to be heard first. And the only way, the only way you can earn the right to be heard is to, is to outlove people. Engaging in acts of kindness, engaging in acts of generosity... Engaging, I mean, there's, there, there are people I've known for, for decades that, you know, put up with all kinds of crap and put up with unjust persecution and put up with, you know, incredibly frustrating work environments and people just, you know, ripping into them. And sometimes it takes years before, you know, the people that are ripping into them, they come to their senses and they go, wow, that person must be made of something. Maybe I need to little, listen to them a little bit more about what they have to say. Because you can't, there's no use telling people about the fear of God and and. and Believe me, Eric, I'm with you on this one. There's a real lacking in, you know, understanding what the fear of God is. But the Word says we're supposed to speak the truth in love. And if it's not being spoken in, in love, well, 1 Corinthians 13 is the classic love chapter, okay? It's the one that gets read at all the weddings. You know, love is kind, love never keeps no record of wrongs, and, and you know, read it. It's really good, Okay. It says in the first three verses, it says, if I have the wisdom of, you know, if I can fathom all mysteries, and if I can speak eloquently, and I have not love, I'm a clinking brass or a tingling cymbal. Now, I'm a drummer. And when I've preached, usually there's a drum kit nearby. Because every church I've ever pastored in, you know, I used to joke, and, and it, I think there's a lot of truth to it. I often judge a, a church by its drum kit. If it's got a good drum kit, probably a good church. And when I illustrate this, and, and I'm an expert at annoying people too. Oh, I know how to annoy people. I can get under people's skin. Hoo-hoo! I think God gave me a gift for it, okay? When I'm talking about 1 Corinthians 13 and illustrating this point that if I don't have love, I'm a tinkling brass or a crank so I will go over to the drum kit and while I'm talking, I'll start banging cymbals and cowbells and tom-toms and oh, I do it for about a good 30 to 60 seconds until people are like, I wish he'd stop. Okay, he's made his point. Okay, he's really driving me crazy. If he keeps doing that, I'm going to leave. Okay, so I know how to annoy people. Okay? And then at the same time, I'll sit down, I'll pause. Now, and, and sometimes I'll ask the audience, was that annoying? Did that tick you off? Well, that's what it's like when somebody is trying to preach truth or trying to declare truth or trying to, you know, tell you what's right and they don't care about you and they don't know what your kids' names are. They don't know what your name is. They don't care about your life. All they care about is getting their message out. 
That's how annoying you are if you try to declare truth without being in relationship with somebody, without first earning the right to be heard. And then I'll go into playing the opening drum beat from, you know, Walk This Way from Aerosmith, or I'll do some real infectious groove, okay? And, and people start smiling, you know, and I see them start, you know, moving their heads, you know, and then, because the same act... When it's done properly, the same declaration of truth. You know, the illustration I use often, when, when the number one command, what did Jesus say the number one command? Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It wasn't, you know, know all the truth and all the mysteries. It wasn't, you know, make sure you have the fear of God. First of all, you got to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then the second one is like it. In fact, the two are inseparable. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. How do you know if you love your neighbor as yourself? Because most followers of Christ, they think they love their neighbor as themselves. How can you tell? Easy test. Do you live in a high-rise? Do you live in a condo? Do you live in an apartment building? Do you live in a neighborhood? The guy who lives next door to you, the guy that lives across the street from you, the guy that lives across the hall, does that person... Does that person, if I went to that person and I said, hey, you know that your neighbor here that lives in 1376 here, do they love you? Now, what's your neighbor going to say? They don't even know me. Or are they going to say, oh, no, he's a jerk, man. He never has time for anybody. You know, we're going up the elevator and you know, I've, I've seen him be rude and, you know, snippy with people. Or he's going to say, your neighbor here in 1376, does he love you? Man, he is the best neighbor anybody could ask for. Man, I remember when my wife was sick, okay, and I had to stay home from work, and I had to take care of her. We lost. You know that he brought me over meals every day, four days. I didn't even ask him to do it. In fact, I don't think I'd ever want to leave this building because of him. Okay, that's when you know that you love your neighbor. If you left the neighborhood, how many people would say, geez, I miss them? That's when you can tell. It's not for you to, to, you're not the one that calls the shot whether you love your neighbor. I would, you know, if I went around your neighborhood and asked people, you know, do they even know your name? Do they? That's the level of love that Jesus is talking about. Now, when you love people like that, and when people know how much you love them, and you have taken the time, because you can't, you can't love without sacrificing. You can't love without, you know, sacrificing your agenda and your schedule for the sake of, 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 of doing something wonderfully kind to people, okay? When you have that relationship, when you have proven that you love somebody, when you have earned the right to be heard, and I like using this illustration in my sermons, you can tell them that when they die, their soul goes to a garage in Buffalo, New York, and Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs are waiting for them, and all those fish from the Little Mermaid are singing under the sea when you walk through the gates of paradise, and they will believe you. Why? Because you're the real deal. Well, his theology's a little weird, and I don't know about, you know, the fish singing under the sea, but man, whatever he's got, I want. That person's different. And fortunately... Fortunately, the more serious you are about serving Christ, the more you are open to him coming in and transforming your life. He does that to people. He makes them loving. That is the end result of, of being a follower of Christ. I mean, dear God, following Christ isn't, isn't, you know, say the magic prayer and you're ready to go to heaven. 
Well, that's great. I'm 57 years old. I've said the magic prayer. If I live a healthy life, I could be around for another 20, 30 years. What do I do between now and then? Well, it says in his word that, that he wants us to bear fruit. What does that mean? Start a farm? No, eternal fruit. He wants our lives to be productive. He wants our lives to, you know, this, this transforming power that's come into my life when I invited Christ into my life, it's not just for me. He intends to bless other people with it. In fact, the New Testament uses terminology like, you, you know, out of your innermost being will come rivers of living water. Oh, great, rivers of living water. Does that mean I'm going to be going to the bathroom all the time? No! It means your life is going to be refreshed. But these rivers of living water, if they're coming out of you, this refreshing, yeah, it's going to refresh you, but God intends your life to refresh others. Well, John, I'm just not that type of person. What, you think I am? None of us are. In fact, the second godliest man in the Bible, St. Paul, he wrote more than half of the New Testament. If you want to know how messed up this guy is, read Romans 7. Oh, I love Romans 7. Because Paul writes about how much of, and I'm not kidding you, you read it, you're going to read it for yourself. He reads how much, he, 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 he writes about how much of a jerk he is. I mean, this guy is the general superintendent of the, of the you know, the, the Pentecostal Assemblies of the Mediterranean or whatever your, you know, religious denomination is. The Baptist Fellowship of, of uh, the Mediterranean. This guy has got more authority than if they had a pope back then. This guy would have more authority than anybody. He's got it more together than anybody. And he says in Romans 7, the things I want to do, I do not do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, how wretched a man I am. And then in Romans 8, he spends most of Romans 8 talking about how wonderful God is. Thanks be to God for his spirit. And if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, Romans 8, 11, it's wonderful. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if it lives in you, it's going to give life to your mortal body. It's going to cause you, you selfish, greedy, lazy, lustful so-and-so. The devil calls you that all the time, doesn't he? I mean, he's always there to tell us how rotten, how lousy we are, okay? He takes people like that, and he turns them into saints. And I'm sorry, you know, I got some of my Catholic friends are the most godly, Christ-like people I know. But I totally disagree with them when it comes to saints. According to the Bible, any saint is somebody who has given their life to Christ and allowed Christ to come in. There's no criteria where you've got to have a miracle. That's an invention of man. That's a mention of the church, and, and forget it. When Paul writes to the churches in Philippi, Ephesus, Corinth, Colos, he addresses them all as the saints in Colos, the saints in Corinth. They're all saints. And they've been made that way because of the blood of Christ and not because they did anything special or created any miracles. So, yeah, fear God. Back to Eric's email. Boy, you really set me off, Eric. Man, I went about like 20 minutes on that. Fear God's a wonderful, powerful thing. But the love of God is way more important. And I don't want to hear about any follower of Christ preaching or railing on, you know, the need of the fear of God if you haven't first demonstrated the love of God. Because we live in a culture that has been abused by religious leaders 
it has been it has been handed a religious experience that is all form and no substance. We have half a trillion dollars in North America alone, half a trillion dollars wrapped up in church buildings, all to honor a God who says in the book of Acts, I do not dwell in temples made with hands. How screwy is that? I mean, we. I mean, our culture has got a right to have their defenses up. Our culture and and the hypocrisy that's been engaged in the name of Christianity. And I'm just talking about my faith. Yeah, you better prove to them first that you're different than all the religious crap they've put up with. Don't you dare go talking about the gospel or you know how wonderful it is until you know earn the right to be heard. If it wasn't Francis of Assisi, it's still a good line. Preach the gospel every day. If you have to, use words. Actions always speak a lot of the words. Always. I mean, you want, to be, you want me to bring it home right to where you live? Why is it that, you know, the most godly guy in your workplace is usually the most obnoxious, too? Oh, here he comes. Why are those type of Christians stereotyped? You know, Christians get their back up because they think they're being persecuted. You know, and, and, and unfortunately, Jesus said, all men will hate you because of me, you know? Blessed are the persecuted, they'll be called the sons of God. So people think whenever they're persecuted, it's because it's Jesus. Usually in our culture, because we're so rich and we've got so much stuff, and we don't want to know what real persecution is, usually when people think they're experiencing real persecution in our culture, it's not because, you know, of Jesus, it's because they're obnoxious jerks. And I've even talked about it on my program, you know? I mean, you think you're really going to win over homosexuals by, you know, uh, uh, putting, putting up scriptures that tell them they're going to hell? Yeah, the Bible does say that. But Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. The only, anybody, the only way anybody is going to be free from their sin, whether it be adultery, whether it be lust, whether it be, you know, uh, whatever, they got to realize that while they were yet a sinner, according to Romans 5.8, Christ died for them long before they ever got their act together, long before they ever decided to change. Long be- he loved them enough at their worst state that he's willing to bleed and get tortured to death on their behalf. Christ proved his love to people long before they ever got their act together. And are we followers? If we don't love that way, well then, why should they listen to us? All it's true what we say. Truth is like water. You know, the water of the word, living water, out of your living, out of your being will throw, flow rivers of living water. You can do a lot of things with water. You can wash people's feet with it. You can refresh them on a hot day. Or you can use it like a fire hose and knock them over. And that's not going to help anybody. And it, you can literally take the, the most wonderful message to ever hit the planet, and you can, and you can, you can browbeat people with it. You can be spiritually manipulative and abusive with it. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. Good question, Eric. You set me off, buddy. I love questions that get me going like that. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. Eric sent that email in. It was under six lines. To JC at latenightcouncil.com. JC at latenightcouncil.com. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. That is the Capital Region line. Eight four four one eight four four five six two four seven six six. That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. That's the long distance line. You can tweet at me at JW Council. Just ask the pastor. It's open line, open topic. Let's have at her. 
right back after some really, really important information. Stay with us. So I'm reloading and taking a much-needed break with this here pre-recorded message. You can get a line right now while I'm doing that. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. That's uh, the Capital Region line. That's Ottawa, Gatineau, and close by. If you live far away, the toll-free line all across North America. 1-844-LNC is on. That's one 844 562-4766. Our call service is automated. So you won't be talking to a live person until you're on air. Now don't sweat that. Just follow the on-air prompts and uh, you'll be fine. Trust me, you've handled this kind of technology before. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to me right now. You can connect with us live at tuneinradio.com or Google Play or just click the listen live button at latenightcouncil.com. But you know, chances are you've already done that. Just kind of a reminder. Council does not exist without advertisers. So if you want to buy time, email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com. And the rates are so cheap because, you know, we're just relaunching and getting things going again. You are going to absolutely love the rates. And, of course, your feedback is always welcome. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. And thanks for tuning in. We're back live 
in just a few seconds. So hang in there. If you like uh, early Genesis, yes, or Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, if you like 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 that progressive rock stuff, that band you just heard, it's called, the name of the band is Spock's Beard. If you've never heard of Spock's Beard, go to YouTube, look up Spock's Beard. That tune is called Day for Night. Fantastic. It's probably the best band that nobody hardly has ever heard of. Terrific band. Spock's Beard, that tune is called Day for Night. There's a couple other good tunes they got out there. All on a Sunday is really good. Crack the Big Sky. Terrific band. One of my favorites. Spock's Beard. Check them out. Live footage on YouTube. That's the pastor on Late Night Council. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. one 844 5624766 is the long distance line. That's 18445624766. Who have I got on the line? Francis. Hi Francis, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Uh, uh, before I ask my question to you, I just want to make sure that uh, if you have call display, I hope you do because you can see my name and I think your email somehow stands me out from whenever I send you an email, I get a error um, uh, whenever I send an email. Well, have you got the right address? Yep, yep. JC at LateNightCouncil.com? Yep, yep, yep. Well, maybe maybe I need to look at my spam filter. Maybe it's filtering you out because yeah. it, thinks you're, it thinks you're trying to, you know, sell me real estate in Arizona or something. No, no. Well, if you have call display, that is actually my name. So. Well, I don't have call. I, 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 well, yeah, I do have call display. I've got better than your name. I've got your number, which is, <laughs> you know. Okay, okay. Anyway. What's uh, on your mind, Francis? Anyway, here's my question. Here's my question. Uh, we're in our church. We're going through the Lenten season. A lot of churches are right now. In fact, yeah, I would say yeah, most churches are. So my question is this. Is there a difference between the Jewish, Muslim, and the Christian fasting? Uh, well, fasting is fasting the way I understand it. The typical biblical fast is you, uh, you know, you go without uh, food and the only thing you have is water. Now, typical of a Muslim fast is it's sundown, it says uh, uh, sunrise to sundown. Like when they fast for the 40 days of Ramadan, 
okay, they stop eating before the sun comes up, and they don't eat until the sun goes down. It's not a 40-day fast. You know, they fast when the sun's down. Uh, you know, and, and there's all sorts of different types of fasts in the Old and New Testament. Of course, the Old Testament would be, you know, uh, Jewish fasting, and the Talmud, which is the commentary on, uh, you, you know, the Old Testament, has a lot of traditions and of Judaism of, you know, what institutes a fast, for instance, and there's all so many different types. My friend Rabbi Reuven Bolka, when he lost his wife, his first wife, okay, uh, he had to fast from all media, could not read a newspaper, could not listen to the radio, could not watch TV for a year. Because according to, you know, his, according to the Jewish faith, that's the proper uh, 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 way to mourn. And I think that's a really, really good thing. You know, he's a, he's a terrific guy. So there's all sorts of different types of fasts. Um, you know, like the difference, when you ask the difference between Muslim, Jewish, and, and, and Christian, um, Christian fasting is based on at least the practice of fasting uh, and, and the way Jesus did it. He was, you know, the Bible that Jesus used was the Old Testament. That's the one that he quoted from. Right. And, and uh, so our, our fasting tradition from the Christian viewpoint would be based only on the scriptures that are in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But it's not something that's mandatory. Christ, accept, Christ expected his followers to fast, okay? But he did not make it mandatory. He says, he uses the line, when you fast, you know, don't, you know, go around looking like an ascetic like the Pharisees do because they want to draw attention to themselves. Kind of do it on your own and make sure, you know, like in our culture, he said, he said put oil in your head. That's the equivalent today of, you know, make sure you have a shower and you don't look like you're disheveled in any way. Make sure like life is normal because you're not doing this to, to get, you know, brownie points with other people. You only, only God should know, and uh, the way I've counseled people is, if you're going to fast, the only people that should know are the people that should know, like your spouse, your family. Hey, how come dad's not eating? Well, you know, he's fasting. You know, I don't have a problem with that. It, it, does it only cover just eating, or does it cover everything, like uh, certain habits and things like that? Well, I, I mean, biblically, it's only eating. I mean, the, the extreme, the most extreme fast I know of in the Bible is in the book of Esther, when, you know, for three days, they called on the entire nation to fast, no drinking or eating for three days. I mean, that's, you're going to, that's dangerous physically, okay? Um, and, uh, but usually the standard fast is just water. Now, there's something that's referred to as a Daniel fast, although it does not attach the word fast to what Daniel did, where, you know, uh, to please God, he didn't want to eat any of Nebuchadnezzar's food, so he said, look at it, I'm just going to eat vegetables, okay, just vegetables and bland food for three weeks. That's, some people call that a Daniel fast, but um, I don't think it's a bad thing. Like, uh, like I'm going to give you something that, that I have led a number of people in, and it's, it's extra biblical, but I don't have a problem with it. If somebody does, let them call in and argue with me. Uh, for Lent, you know, many times, at least five times, I've led entire congregations on a TV fast. I mean, long before there was Internet okay. and, you know, you know, you know we, went for, we went without TV for 40 days. Now, here's, here's a fun story. I was in Windsor. I was youth pastoring, okay? The first time we did it, we had 187 people in our church fasting TV for 40 days. Whole families were doing it, okay? And we posted a list in the main foyer of the church of everybody that had signed that list. And if they broke the fast, they'd have to take their name off the list. And we didn't get mad at them. You know, if they fast for eight days, that's great. But, and we had about, oh, about two-thirds of the bunch made it all the way through, which was pretty good. So that's about 120 people made it all the way through 40 days, no TV. And then two weeks later, this would be in the early 80s, two weeks later I read an ad in the Detroit Free Press 
They were looking for families that were willing to give up TV for 30 days, and if they did, they were going to give them 500 bucks U.S. Couldn't believe it, man. Are you talking about bad timing? You know, we could have milked them for a lot of money, boy. Anyway. <laughs> it's a good question, French. It's a very good question. Have you ever done it? I've, I've, uh, I've done uh, some form of fasting, yes. What, what, and I, I don't mean to be pushy here. I don't mean to be pushy here because... Well, yeah, but look, at you tried, and, and it's... It's not a judgment call, but like I have talked to a lot of people. Like I've got a couple friends that have actually gone on 40-day fasts. Now that's longer than I've ever gone on. But uh, anybody I've talked to that's gone on a fast like that, man, every one of them would tell you it's worth it. It it does things to your life, and it and and you you grow spiritually in ways that they would tell you that was never possible without fasting. I can't recommend fasting enough. I think it's fantastic stuff. I like to refer to it sometimes as turbocharged prayer. Because remember what Jesus said, that, you know, the, 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 the disciples came back to him, and they said, you know, we drove out demons, but we came across this one demon that we could not drive out. And Jesus says to them, this kind comes out only through fasting and prayer. So he's making a clear distinction that it's, it's, more, it's, it's high-powered prayer. It's like giving more power to your prayer. Turbocharged prayer, that's what I call it. Okay, well, I'm sorry, but I have to let you go. But what do you mean, sorry? It was a terrific question, Francis. Thanks for calling in, buddy. Good call. Good talking to you. You're very welcome. Take care. Bye. There goes Francis. 343-743-9. Now, he called in on the automated system there. If Francis can do it, you can do it. 343-743-90, that is the capital region. one 844 I should have asked him where he's calling from. Because one thing the automated screener doesn't do... Well, yeah, I've got the area code in front of me there. Yeah, he's, he's calling from the Ottawa region. Okay. Yeah, maybe if, maybe if the host was a little smarter, he could figure things out. I'm working on it, kids. Pray harder for me. one 844 is the long-distance line. JC at LateNightCouncil.com is the email address. That's JC at LateNightCouncil.com. Keep it under six lines. And you can tweet at me. At JW Council. Now, I went on a bit of a rant, of course, with, with Eric's uh, email about the fear of God, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I talked about the, you know, earning the right to be heard. And uh, I uh, got invited to a, uh, a couple's house, dear friends of ours. And while we're going, they invited us over for dinner. And we've been there before. They're good friends. And uh, Friday night, my wife and I are driving, and uh, Heather tells me, uh, Oh, they want us to watch a movie with them. And I thought, oh, no, no, God, please kill me now. You know, like, I, I don't like, guaranteed that if somebody really likes a movie, I'm going to hate it. And and it's like, do you ever have friends that, you know, like, and they, they, they just, you just have to hear this, this tune that they've heard. Oh, you got to hear this. This band's really good. And you can't stand the band, but you want to be polite. You just, just turn it off. I don't, you know, I, I'm very fussy when it comes to music. I'm even more fussy when it comes to movies. I don't watch a lot of movies. I'm very picky. So we're driving there, and they're thinking, oh, yeah, they want us to watch a movie. No, no, I thought we were just going to have a good time and hang out and eat. No, we're going to watch a movie. Okay. I got to be nice. I got to practice what I preach, so I'm going in there. and uh... Well, I watched the movie, and before it starts, me being Mr. You know, obnoxious, 
So how long is this thing? Well, it's 95 minutes. Okay, I can live through that, you know. Got my iPhone out here. I can play Scrabble online here while they're, you know, kind of sneak it while they're watching the movie. And and uh, I'm telling you, it blew me out of the water. It blew me out of the water. And I'm bringing it up right now because it is so Ask the Pastor relevant. And I'm telling you, I, you know, it's difficult to find. You can see the trailer. In fact, I posted the trailer for it on Twitter tonight, okay? If you go to the Late Night Council Facebook page or you follow me on Twitter, the trailer for G-Dog, the movie is called G-Dog. You have got to see this flick. I am, I am begging you. If, you. if you love Jesus Christ, okay, if you're bored with religion, if you're bored with same old, same old when it comes to the whole church Christianity thing, and I can relate, okay? I've been in too many churches where I'm bored silly, where you listen to a canned message, you know, and you can tell the guy that's preaching is probably videoing himself and, you know, having people critique him, so the presentation is just perfect, Okay? I've been in too many churches where I've, I, you know, everything's canned. Everything's rehearsed. It's like you're going to a show, okay? If you crave for something more than that, if you believe that there's a real supernatural power behind this whole gospel Jesus thing, if you think that he could really change lives, if you crave for something beyond just same old, same old, I'll call it churchianity, you've got to see this movie. It's called G-Dog. And G-Dog is a Jesuit Catholic priest. His name is Greg Boyle. Okay? He's known to his followers as Father Greg Boyle. Now, if you look up Greg Boyle on Wikipedia, I'm going to give you a little bit of who he is and what it's about and what the movie G-Dog is about. Okay? So here's the Wikipedia. Here's the Wikipedia description of G-Dog. At the conclusion of Greg Boyle's theological, theolo, theology studies, he spent a year living and working with Christian-based communities in Cochabamba, Bolivia, just for a year. Upon his return to the States in 1986, he was appointed pastor of Dolores Mission Church, a Jesuit parish, a parish in the Boyle Heights neighborhood of East Los Angeles that was then the poorest Catholic church in the city, okay? Now, Los Angeles is a pretty big city, okay? At the time, the church sat between two large public housing projects and amid the territories of numerous gangs, primarily the Bloods and the Crips, okay? So this is 1986. He's going into the poorest, highest crime area, you could probably say in all of California, because East L.A. is the worst of the worst in California, by 1988, in an effort to address the escalating problems and unmet needs of gang-involved youth, Greg Boyle and Parrish and community members began to develop positive opportunities for them, including establishing an alternative school and a daycare program and seeking out legitimate employment, calling this initial effort jobs for a future. Gang violence is about a lethal absence of hope. Boyle has said. Nobody has ever met a hopeful kid who joined a gang. In the wake of the 1992 Los Angeles riots, 
Jobs for a Future, and Proyecto Pastoral, a community organizing project begun at the parish, launched their first social enterprise business, Homeboy Bakery. In the ensuing years, the success of the bakery created the groundwork for additional social enterprise businesses, leading Jobs for a Future to become an independent nonprofit organization, which is now called Homeboy Industries. Homeboy Industries, now listen to this, Homeboy Industries is the largest, now is the largest and most successful gang rehabilitation and reentry program in the world. Homeboy offers an exit ramp for those stuck in a cycle of violence and incarceration. The organization's holistic approach with free services and programs supports 10,000 men and women a year as they work to overcome their pasts, reimagine their futures, and break the intergenerational cycles of gang violence. Therapeutic and educational offerings, case management, counseling, and classes, practical services, example, tattoo removal. Work readiness and legal assistance. You know, I mean, a lot of these gang members, they got tattoos in their faces and everything, okay? And, I mean, they don't force anything on them, but they give them job counseling and say, look, nobody's going to hire you. You look like that, okay? And your life hasn't gotten you anywhere anyway. You've done 10 years in the slammer for, you know, these kids that come, and a lot of these kids are as young as 15 and 16. But they love the daylights out of these kids. And this Greg Boyle, he's on the... You've got to see the movie. You've got to see this guy in operation. He, is, he has got to be one of the most Christ-like people I've ever seen, to, I've ever seen in, a, in, a, in, a, in a video presentation. Blew me out of the water. Th- okay, so uh, uh, a tattoo removal, work readiness and legal assistance, job training focused business, homeboy bakery, homegirl cafe, homeboy silk screen and embroidery, provide healing alternatives to gang life while creating safer and healthier communities. And one of the taglines that they use, and of course this guy speaks all over, you know, getting fundraising, but he's not away from Homeboy Industries enough that he doesn't know, he knows everybody. Everybody knows G-Dog. And they just adore this guy. And there's billboards in the neighborhood that says this. I just love this. And, you know, if you've never been down into into the ghettos of the state, you don't know the violence. I mean, the violence we experience here in some of our tougher neighborhoods in Ottawa and Toronto and some other Canadian cities, cities, nothing like it used to be in a lot of these neighborhoods. And you've heard me say before that one of the untold stories of mainstream media in the United States is church groups going into ghettos, church groups going into gang-infested areas where there's horrible, like just like poverty, and literally transforming those neighborhoods with the love of God. And those kids, when they're offered a job, and when somebody comes along them, alongside them and believes them and tells them of what they can be in the power of Christ, when they experience love like that, you don't have to tell them about the fear of God. Their hearts get opened up and their lives are changed forever. I spent a lot of time crying while I'm watching this because it was, the, it was the, one of the most powerful displays of the power and the love of God I've ever seen. One of the lines that they use on the billboards down there, nothing stops a bullet like a job. And this isn't government-funded stuff. Now they get government help, government grants, okay? But... One of my, and speaking, and he's the guy's a Catholic priest. One of my Catholic uh, buddies out in Nipawa, Manitoba, said something really profound to me, and it's stuck with me for like 25 years now. If you can solve your problems by throwing money at them, you don't have any problems. And the way we handle poverty and drug addiction and violence 
at least up here in Canada, we think all they need is more money, and it's not helping at all. The only thing that changes people's lives that are destitute like that is somebody comes alongside them, somebody loves them, somebody sacrifices their time and energy and builds their life in them. And before you know it, before you know it, if you, if you mix in the, the, the transforming message of Christ, those people are never the same. And it's not a handout, it becomes a hand up. And before you know it, they are, they are you know, transforming other people's lives as well. You got to watch it. Follow the link. It's on my Twitter uh, page. It's on uh, the Facebook page. In fact, it's so good. I'll tell you how good it is, okay? I got a group of people that I'm meeting with, okay? And, and uh, I've invited about, oh, 20, 30 people, as many people as I can fit into my, my family room. I'm going to show it Friday night. I want them to see it. I want my closest friends and associates to see this. And, 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 you know, and if, if you think you've got a hard heart and you're bored with same old, same old, I was watching this video, and I've had a lot of discussions lately with people what, what the biblical church really is. Church is not a building. Church is not somewhere where you come to, okay? Or you, you, you know, you, you think you're spiritual because you show up every week. Church is community. I'm watching this thing of Homeboy Industries. There's like 200 employees there. And I'm watching them interact, and I'm watching, you know, the love of God that's all over the place. And I said to the people who are watching, that's church. That's Book of Acts right there. Now, my background is Pentecostal, okay? We Pentecostals, we're known for swinging on the chandeliers. We're known for speaking in tongues and healing and spiritual gifts and all kinds of... And, you know, that's my heritage, okay? The greatest evidence that the Holy Spirit is in your midst is not whether you, you know, roll on the floor, swing from the chandeliers, or, you know, have all kinds of words of wisdom. The greatest evidence that you have the Holy Spirit in your life is you love like Jesus unconditionally. You have got the fruits of the Spirit. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Galatians 5.22 to 24 talks about them. Gentleness, meekness, kindness. Generosity. What does it mean, fruits? In other words, evidence that the Holy Spirit is there. Here, I'll read it. I don't have it memorized yet. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, same as patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then it says this. Oh, this is profound. It says, against such there is no law. Now, what does that mean? It means there is no territory, there's no gang, there's no law of averages, there's no natural law, there's no human nature, there's no political law. There's nothing that can stand up against those kind of things when they're lived out and practiced. Because those things, it just gives you nine definitions, nine specific definitions of what love is. And when people practice it, it melts people. It melts people. They can't stand against that. They can't resist it. More powerful than the Borg. Resistance is futile to that stuff. And I'm watching this, I'm watching this documentary, and I'm saying, that's church. The way the book of Acts describes church, the way the book of Acts describes what they did and what their priorities were, that's church. Homeboy Industries, what those guys are doing there. I don't agree with all this theology because I'm not a Catholic. Who cares? When somebody's practicing that kind of love, when I know that the greatest commandment in the world, you know, is love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. The two greatest commandments. When, when according to Christ, those two things have got higher priority than anything. In fact, Jesus was the one that said all of the law and the prophets 
In other words, everything in the Bible hangs on those two most important commandments. When he says that, it's more important than what my theology is. It's more important than whatever is going on. Because even though I don't necessarily agree with their theology, they got way more of the love of God than I do. And I watched that thing in awe. It blew me away. Now, it inspired me too. It inspired me to not be satisfied with same old, same old. It inspired me to realize, you know, real worship, a real experience with God is, is when you're having an impact on somebody who can't pay you back. You're not going to get anything out of it, okay? But you do it because you take seriously what Jesus says when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. I was naked, you didn't clothe me. I was hungry, you didn't feed me. I was a stranger, you didn't invite me in. I was in prison, you didn't visit me. When did we ever see this, God? When were you ever in prison? When were you ever hungry? And he says, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Man, I almost sound like I'm preaching tonight. Wow. Well, it is Ask the Pastor, and you're not calling in. So if you're not calling in, you're going to get it with both barrels. To use a Ted Nugent shotgun analogy. 343-700-4390 in the Capital Region. That's 343-700-4390. All across North America, one 562 Four seven six six. That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. JC at late night council dot com is the email address. That's JC at late night council dot com. You can tweet at me. I haven't got any tweets tonight yet that I've read on the air yet. JW Council is a Twitter exchange. Man. This show's going by fast tonight. Only got a half hour left. Unless the lines are jammed. If the lines are jammed around 11 o'clock, and we haven't done it yet. But I think it's going to be fun when we do it. Go past 11. I got to get up early and drive from Ottawa to Windsor tomorrow. So. But I'm with you till at least 11 here. Call in 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390 in the Capital Region. And one 844 is long distance. one 844 562-4766. Right back after this. Stay with us. and taking a much-needed break with this here pre-recorded message. You can get a line right now while I'm doing that. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. That's uh, the Capital Region line. That's Ottawa, Gatineau, and close by. If you live far away, the toll-free line all across North America. 1-844-LNC is on. That's one 844 562-4766 1-844-562-4766 Our call service is automated 
so you won't be talking to a live person until you're on air. Now, don't sweat that. Just follow the on-air prompts, and uh, you'll be fine. Trust me, you've handled this kind of technology before. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to me right now. You can connect with us live at tuneinradio.com or Google Play, or just click the Listen Live button at latenightcouncil.com. But, you know, chances are you've already done that. Just kind of a reminder. Late Night Council does not exist without advertisers. So if you want to buy time, email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com. And the rates are so cheap because, you know, we're just relaunching and getting things going again. You are going to absolutely love the rates. And, of course, your feedback is always welcome. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. And thanks for tuning in. We're back live in just a few seconds. So hang in there. shared with you a little bit of how important this tune is to me. This is uh, it's Keith Green, and uh, the tune is called Keith's Piano Prelude. And it's, yeah, it's a great tune. And then it goes into um, his rendition. It goes from Keith's Piano Prelude into uh, his rendition of Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is the psalm that David wrote after he sinned with Beersheba, okay? If you don't know the story in the Old Testament, uh, it says uh, in, in, I think it's First Kings or Chronicles, one of them. I'd have to look it up. And uh, it says, when kings go to war, in other words, he wasn't doing what he should have been doing. He's on the roof of his palace. And as he's on the roof of his palace, he kind of goes for a stroll and he notices through the window there's this hot chick having a bath, and he's being a peeping Tom. And he doesn't, you know, turn away. He kind of lingers and just leers at her, and he 
because he's the king and he can get away with anything, you know, nobody's going to question his uh, authority. He arranges with uh, his generals or whatever, find out who that woman is. And uh, they tell her, well, he's, uh, she's uh, Uriah's wife. And he has an affair with her. Okay? And I guess, you know, within a month or two or whatever, he finds out she's pregnant. Way to go, David. Now, remember, this is David, the same David that killed Goliath, the same David that was described when he was 15 years old as a man after God's own heart. This is David, the guy who wrote more than half of the book of Psalms, which is the largest book of the Bible, 150 chapters. Recognized in Judaism and Christianity as Israel's greatest king, most virtuous king. So he gets Beersheba pregnant. And then to make matters worse, he finds out, and so this is what he does. He has Uriah. He tries to get Uriah as one of his generals. And he tries to get Uriah to take some time off from a battle, you know, to come home, take a break, and thinking that, you know, if you sleep with her wife, maybe when she's pregnant, you know, I won't get found out, but Uriah won't come back. He says, no, I can't do this. Oh, great king, I will not leave my men. It's the heat of the battle. This guy's a loyal guy. He's a great guy. So David arranges with one of his generals that in the heat of the battle, he arranges with one of his generals, you know, while you guys are fighting, I want everybody to withdraw and leave Uriah alone. So he, has, he literally has Uriah killed in battle, sets him up for a kill to cover his own hide. And he thinks he's gotten away with it because he's the king, right? Well, he is the king, but... Really, the king of Israel is not David, it's God himself. So, I'm not going to go into all the details. Nathan the prophet comes in one day. Nathan is his number one spiritual advisor. Gotta love Nathan the prophet. You can't lie to Nathan because Nathan knows what's going on. You can't hide from him. And Nathan, you know, comes in, oh, this guy's slick. You know, and not slick in a bad way. This guy is a man of God. This is a guy who had the fear of God. This is a guy who would never compromise truth. Prophets are like that. That's why Jesus, you know, when he wept over Israel, he said, Israel, you know, you stone the prophets. You know, people that would try to guide you into truth, you kill them instead of doing what they're saying. And he was in that Old Testament mode of a prophet. But David, because he had a relationship with God and revered God, he kept Nathan around because he, he wanted to hear from God. So it's kind of a duality there. This guy's a stinker. And he, remember, David's got, oh, he's got a good half dozen wives. It's not like this guy has a shortage of sex. And, we, you know, we could talk about polygamy in the Bible. And if you want to get on that tonight, I don't mind talking about that at all. I'm just telling you the story here. So Nathan the prophet comes in and he says, so king... What would you do with a man, you know, that uh, has a whole flock of sheep and yet he sees a lamb that he likes and the lamb belongs to a young, a young boy. It's the only lamb that this young boy owns. And the man with the big flocks of sheep comes and steals the lamb and takes the lamb for his own. Even though he's got all kinds of sheep, takes the lamb for his own. And when the young boy complains... You know, he, he has, the, he has the, the young boy put away. 
And David gets enraged. He says, why? I would throw that, I would throw that man who owns all those, all those sheep, I would throw him in prison for being so cruel. And Nathan, now remember, David's the king. David can have anybody executed. David doesn't care. And nobody would question his authority because he's the king. That's the way rulership was back then. It wasn't a democracy back then. And Nathan looks David in the eye and says, you are that man for what you've done with Beersheba. See, God had revealed to Nathan what David had done. So David, and this is where you hear, where you see, you know, his side that really loved God, even though he was flawed, even though that, you know, he, he even though he was a stinker and gave in to lust, he repents. And he writes Psalm 51, which is probably the most eloquent psalm of repentance you will ever read. If you've never read it, go to it tonight before you go to bed. And he wrote this psalm, created me, and I could quote it because I've sung the song often. And I've just, I, we started this discussion with me playing that tune, Keith's Piano Prelude. And he sings the song that I've sung many times and led congregations in, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and renew a right spirit within me. And he repents. The child that Beersheba is carrying dies. And Nathan says to David, God has heard your repentance, and he's going to forgive you. But the sword of division and strife will never part from your family until you die. And he had family problems with his sons fighting each other, and the kingdom is, you know, like uh, split after uh, uh, his son Solomon. Somebody tries to take the kingdom from Solomon. There's just family strife in his life till the day he dies. God forgives him, but it opens up the door for, for unnecessary strife in his life. So why does that tune mean a lot to me? Well, some of you that have listened to this show for years, you know why. Because that tune I just played for you, that used to be the opening theme to Ask the Pastors, when my dad and I did Ask the Pastors in St. Catharines, Ontario. Now, we started in Windsor. We did Ask the Pastor in Windsor, and uh, from, oh, about 1982 to 1985, and when we did Ask the Pastor on in Windsor, we were on from 10 to midnight, Sunday nights, and in the entire Windsor, Detroit area, including the Detroit radio stations, which, you know, that back then, that was before the, you know, the, the whole auto companies went, bo- uh, went bust, you know, Metro Detroit was a good three, four million people back then. We were the number one rated show of any kind in the Metro Detroit area during the weekend. Had the highest ratings and the highest market share of any of any show back then. Had a really good time. And then when we moved to St. Catharines, we got a little bit slicker with doing our production values. We'd add an opening theme. That was our opening theme right there. Keith Piano Prelude. John, why are you telling me this? Oh, you see, I'm the king of the segues, man. I can just, like, segue into things. I had something really cool happen to me this week, okay? And it involves St. Catharines, and it involves, and I don't know if anybody's listening from St. Catharines, but if you are, you're going to be able to relate to this better than anybody listening in the capital region right now. Um, those of you that have listened to my program know I'm a, I'm a sports fanatic, okay? I'm all about the Ottawa Senators, and, and uh, I've lived in Ottawa for 18 years, and uh, I live, sleep, eat, and breathe, and die with the Senators. That's not necessarily a good thing. Maybe I'm confessing my faults. My family will tell you when the Senators lose, I usually have a bad day the next day. When they win, I'm usually pretty good. But before I moved to Ottawa, 
My sport was always baseball. That's the sport I grew up playing. Being raised in Windsor, we moved around a lot, but most of my, uh, before I was 25, you know, I spent most of my life in Windsor. And Windsor, back then, you know, the Detroit Red Wings were nothing and the Detroit Tigers were everything. So I grew up loving the Tigers and loving baseball. And, and, uh, and even when we moved from Windsor, we moved to Montreal in 1970 and the, the Expos were there. So I just followed the Expos and, and, and that was my sport. I pitched. And uh, I started running fantasy baseball leagues when I was in Windsor. Well, that's gambling, is it? Well, you see, the Bible says to be as shrewd as a serpent and as wise as a dove. And Jesus even said, you know, the children of darkness sometimes are shrewder and wiser than the children of light. And he was talking about economic uh, things in, in the Gospels when he said, you know, and the point he was trying to make, you know, sometimes your, your, uh, you know, your religion is, you're so committed to it that, that you don't see, you, you, sometimes you're impractical. That's what he was saying in that scripture there. So I started running fantasy baseball leagues. Now, of course, fantasy sports now is a multi-billion dollar industry. I mean, online fantasy gaming is insane, okay, the way it's gone. But this is before internet. And really, I was running fantasy baseball leagues before just about anybody in North America was because the book that started fantasy baseball was a book that came out in 1982 called Rotisserie League Baseball by Daniel O'Krent. I was at a pastor's conference in Dallas, Texas when I saw that book and I bought it and I brought it to Canada with me and I got it. I never saw it in Canadian bookstores until about a year or two later. And I realized the potential, hey, we could raise money for missionaries. So what we did is I adopted the rules for Fantasy League Baseball where nobody won any money, and guys were putting money in, and they were buying players and buying teams, and, of course, we'd charge for trades, and we'd charge for, you know, moving reserves up to the active roster, and all the money would go in the pot, and the winning team, the guy that had, you know, the guy that won, all he got was a trophy, but all the money went to our missionaries, and he got, he got a tax receipt that you know was beneficial to him when doing his income tax, because if you give to charitable organizations, you get a lot of it back. So people in the church were happy. It was wonderful. And so did that in Windsor, moved to St. Catharines. Of course, the Blue Jays were just coming to St. Catharines, okay? Oh, I mean, to Toronto, when we moved to St. Catharines, the first, uh, from Montreal to St. Catharines. But we moved back to St. Catharines in 1985. So I started a fantasy league, baseball league, in St. Catharines. In, uh, well, it would have been, well, it's 80, 80, it would have been 86 when I started, because I'd been there a year. Then I started after we'd been there for a year. So th- that's 31 years ago. And that... Fantasy Baseball League is still going in St. Catharines. They have raised thousands of dollars for missionaries over the years. So, baseball season is starting next week. And I have had the pleasure, because I live in Ottawa, and I you know, worked for Bell Media and Chum and was on CFRA and have a lot of really, really, really good friends. The guys I, hang, I hung up with the most and my closest associates when I was working downtown at Bell Media were the guys at TSN 1200. Okay, Good friends of mine, really good guys, you know, because you know, I'm a sports freak. And uh, I've had the pleasure the last three years of being in the TSN uh, 1200 Listener League. Okay, Steve Warren, the guy that runs the morning show with John Rodenberg, they're in it. Uh, just about every on-air personality at TSN 1200 is in this league. And they talk about it often. And I've been in this league for three years, and I've enjoyed it immensely. But their draft has always been on a Sunday morning. 
And uh, because I'm, 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 I'm pastoring a new church now that requires all of my time, there's no way I'm going to be able to draft. I was able to do it in the previous church because, you know, I had a staff that did things, and I'd get all my ducks in a row so I could participate in the draft, set it up so it drafts automatically. And, you know, I do pretty good. I'm going against guys who make their living on sports. And, you know, last year there was 20 teams. I came in second place. I know my baseball. And I knew I couldn't do it this year because of this new church that I'm pastoring. It just, you know, no time for it. And I was feeling kind of bad. I actually prayed about it. You know, God, I love baseball. What's going to happen? And for whatever reason, I decided to get a hold of the guys in St. Catharines that are still doing that baseball league that I started 31 years ago. To make a long story short, okay, to make a long story short, I have, I, I have, they have received me, and there was a guy who was an owner of one of the teams who folded over the offseason, and they gave me an intact team, let me do my cuts, so I get to go back into the Fantasy Baseball League that I started 31 years ago. The founder of the league gets to come back in and enjoy Fantasy Baseball and, you know, raise some money for missionaries and, and have a great time doing it. Do you like that story? I know it's kind of frivolous. I know, ah, oh, why do you care about that? Sparks is of the devil. It's an idle thing. Well, yeah, it can be. It really can be. I think anything, anything that, that can come between you and God, I mean, there's a really good, here's the biblical perspective on it. It doesn't matter if you're into sports, if you're into motorcycles, if you're into, you know, uh, fashion, whatever your hobbies, okay? There's a scripture in Psalms, and I, if you cornered me on it, I could look it up and find it, find the reference. It says, though your blessings increase, do not set your heart on them. Because even good things can become idols in our life. In the Old Testament, it's called idolatry. In the New Testament, it's called greed. And we live in a culture that loves its stuff. Oh, we love our stuff, don't we? We love, you know, things. Somebody wisely said to me once, use things, love people. Don't love things and use people. You got that? Use things, love people. Too many people love things and they use people. Well, is it wrong to be wealthy? I've heard it also said that, well, as long as you own your stuff and your stuff doesn't own you. You never see Jesus giving a hard time to somebody in the Bible because they're poor and lacking in faith. But he's got some nasty things to say to the rich people. Like the guy who had, you know, huge barns, lots of wealth, I've got great wealth. What should I do with my wealth? I'm going to make even bigger barns so I can get even more wealthy. And Jesus says to him, you're a fool. Because you cared more about your wealth than you did about your soul. And he says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you know, what good is it if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? He said, he said that it's easier for, and you've heard this line before, oh, and I've heard some religious types, some faith prosperity types that butcher and misrepresent and misinterpret this scripture. It's almost heretical. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to go to heaven. And I've heard the whole name it and claim it prosperity jokers, I'll call them, say, well, that's not really a literal eye of a needle. You know, it's this little hole in the wall of Jerusalem, you know, next to the city gate. And, you know, to get through, it was called the eye of the needle. And to get through that eye of the needle, the camel had to take off all his load and had to get on his hands and knees and crawl through that eye of a needle. Well, that interpretation of that scripture, let me tell you right now, is BS. 
And most people in North America know what BS stands for because the eye of the needle wasn't even in use in Middle Eastern cities until about seven or 800 A.D. Luke wrote, Luke wrote that scripture, the quote from Jesus, about the eye of the needle at least 600 years before the eye of the needle was ever used in the city walls. And Luke was a medical doctor. And when he uses the term in the Greek, eye of a needle, it's a surgical needle he's talking about. It's a specific type needle. He means it literally. In other words, there's got to be, and and, because his disciples, when he said that, they reacted. They said, well, who could go to heaven? You know, who could be saved? He says, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are, are possible. In other words, it's possible to be wealthy and to, and to, and to have, uh, you know, have Christ come into your life and to be in a right relationship with him, but it's going to take a miracle. Because usually, and Christ knew this, people that are wealthy, they don't feel like they need anything. And it's the bunch that don't think they need anything that are in, that are, whose souls are more in danger. That's what the Pharisees were all about. The Pharisees didn't think they needed Jesus. And he saved his worst barbs for them. But the ones that cried out for mercy, the ones that admitted they were a sinner, the ones that confessed their need of them, he spent he had all time all the time in the world for them. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. We're running out of time. My goodness. If I quit at eleven, I got like six or seven minutes left to program. So if you want to get a question in or a quick email, you gotta get uh, banging the keys or uh, banging the numbers pretty quick right now. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. That's three four three seven hundred forty three ninety in the capital region. Eight four four one eight four four five six two four seven six six is long distance. That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. JC at late dot com. That's the email there. You got to send it right now. JC at late dot com. And you can tweet at me at JW Council. Let's go to Twitter. Anybody on Twitter here? There's nobody on Twitter. Well, there's all kinds of people on Twitter. I don't know anybody tweeting me right now, but that's okay. Rasmus Paladin. Were you listening last week? Rasmus Paladin called in from Denmark. That was not a planted call last week. We got a call from Denmark, and Rasmus Paladin is the lawyer for the guy who's being charged with blasphemy in Denmark, the first guy to be charged with blasphemy in Denmark in 40 years. Well, what did he do? The guy burned, he burned his own copy of the Koran on his own property. And because of the invasion of Islamists in Denmark and Sweden, you've heard about it in the news. Well, you've hardly heard about it in the news because mainstream media is not covering it at all. But the Islamist invasion of Europe has gotten so much influence that now people are being charged with blasphemy because this guy burned a Koran. Okay. And Rasmus Paladin is the lawyer for this guy. It's on the show last week. Why do we even have blasphemy laws? You know? Did you know that we had blasphemy laws in Canada? We do. Anthony Fury touched on it today in the Sun uh, news chain across Canada. Edmonton Sun, Toronto Sun, Ottawa Sun. Let me give you a little bit of it here. Yeah, that's right. Blasphemy is already a crime. Here's Section 296 of the Criminal Code in Canada. Headline is Blasphemous Libel. And he quotes it. Everyone who publishes a blasphemous libel is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term not exceeding two years. 
It is a question of fact whether or not any matter that is published is a blasphemous libel. In other words, you know, they have to define it, whether it's really blasphemous or not. It ends with the following caveat. No person shall be convicted of an offense under this section for expressing in good faith and indecent language or attempting to establish by argument used in good faith and conveyed in decent language an opinion on a religious subject. And, of course, he's writing on the whole threat to our freedoms. I'll, I'll give you the opening paragraph. Now that M103 has passed, many Canadians have concerns that the country is creeping towards some form of anti-blasphemy legislation. They're worried that the motion that singles out the ill-defined Islamophobia for special treatment will in some way criminalize robust criticism of Islam. And I think those fears are very well-founded. He quotes Derek James Frum, a staff lawyer from the Canadian Constitution Foundation in the Calgary Herald, who said there is no certainty that the Charter's guarantee of freedom of expression would overturn the blasphemous libel prohibition that that, that question has not been tested in court. In other words, there's no guarantee that you know our so-called laws for freedom of expression are going to protect people anymore in this country. And M103 is wide open for abuse, for bullying, and for promoting one religion in Canada above the other. A direct violation of separation of church and state. And then to end it off, Anthony Fury gives a great analogy here. I love this. Anthony Fury's been a guest on, the, on shows that I've done. Good commentator. He says, the other week I finally got the chance to see the hit musical, The Book of Mormon. Have you gone out and see that yet? It was hilarious and also extremely blasphemous. North American culture largely, largely accepts that most religions, particularly Christian sects, are fair game for mockery and ridicule. We're nowhere near at that point yet when it comes to Islam, which has an increasing presence in our communities. Muslims themselves, for the most part, certainly aren't there yet. Good luck getting away with a satirical musical about the life of Muhammad. Given everything that's happening right now, the time is ripe for a serious push to eliminate Canada's old blasphemy laws. I totally agree with them. And we'll talk about that on other Ask the Pastor nights, and we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about every night on Ask the Pastor on Late Night Council. That's every Sunday night. Will there ever come a time, John, when you're doing more than one night a week? I don't know yet. Right now, I'm really enjoying this, and I hope you are as well. Don't forget, you can download the podcast of this and the Nick at Night show, which is live right on Late Night Council on Wednesday nights at 9 to 11. And, you know, I know the website is primitive. I know it's even got some misleading information, okay? We are going to update the website, okay? I'm a busy boy. I don't just do talk radio, okay? I got a flock to take care of. And I got a hot, gorgeous wife to spend time with as well, okay? But if you, you can download the podcast. Everything we do, you know, if you missed a bit of it, you can download the podcast. And I hope it's habit forming that you'll tune in on your phone, on your iPad, in your car with Bluetooth, maybe on the computer. This is the future, folks. This is the future of broadcasting. Standard broadcasting, you know, with radios and AM and FM signals, it is dying. And because of the CBC and because of the CRTC in Canada, it's not going to last much longer. The rules are so restrictive, and the CBC, because it's taxpayer-funded, makes so much money, it's impossible to compete with them. The only way you compete is if you've got 
millions and millions of dollars. Talk radio is making more money in the States now than it ever has because they don't have that problem there. It's much more freewheeling. It's much more competitive. So what you're listening to right now, this is the future of talk radio in Canada. This is probably the only talk radio that's going to exist five years from now. So tell your friends to get with the program. We're back at it next week again at 9 o'clock. Absolute delight coming into your iPhones, coming into your computers and everything else you're listening to. Have yourself a great week. Um, Check it out.